Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. Welcome to a, a brand new series. You made it to church in the summer. I didn't know if you would come. Every pastor hates July but still loves Jesus and loves people. It's because I love people meeting people in Jesus that I miss people. I miss people, but you're here. And I don't care about the people who aren't here. I just care about you. I love you. Welcome to our series uh, called Wonder. Wonder. Your world is about as big as your wonder. It's hard to be wonderful if you live a life without wonder. Do we have any very intelligent people in the room who have to figure everything out? All right, this series, this mini-series, only two parts. I'm going to help you break loose of this and start to return to something. I've, I've called the sermon uh, adulting. I know, I know the millennials are thinking, finally. <laughs> that's not really where this is going, although that's really funny. Adulting, you don't say tell us more. Um. I've got something special coming up here, I think, in the beginning of August. Um, have you ever heard of the Enneagram? It's kind of the thing out there now. It's about, there's like personality tests. This one here is kind of a test about motivators. And this, um, actually, I, I have somebody that I was listening to some of his sermons that he's preaching this from a biblical standpoint. A friend of mine from San Antonio. He and his wife are, are Landon and Kelly Kiker. And I'm going to bring them in for you here in August, in the first week of August. And so if you have unchurched friends, they're going to preach through the Enneagram and help us get started uh, in the Enneagram test, which I think will be super Super, uh, interesting. So you have friends of yours who are kind of curious about church and a little bit curious about God. Well, if they're curious about themselves, bring them out for the Enneagram because it's going to be super fun. We're just going to be going through this uh, thing um, where you figure out what it is that motivates you. And when you know what motivates you, then, then it, you can improve yourself and you can get better and you can connect better with people. That's why it's important to us, because you have to understand yourself, but you also have to understand people. And I think you're really only here for two reasons, to connect with God and to connect with people. And when the connections are wrong, that's where pastor has to come in and do this. And I was listening to this, and I'm like, I don't, still don't understand the Enneagram. I don't know if I'm an eight or a three, or I'm not a two. Uh, no, I'm not a two. Y'all don't know the Enneagram yet. You'll, you'll see why. I'm not a nine. What are nines? Peacemaker. I hate, I hate peace. Peace is boring. Oh, my goodness. Anyways, it's going to be awesome. Um, we're going to have a baptism. If you have never publicly uh, uh, announced your faith to the world and the community, we're going to have a baptism on Labor Day weekend, I think. So that's sort of our plan right now. So start. Um, if you're interested, you want some more information, check it out at the box office or contact us at uh, info at venuechurch.ca. Your world is about as big as your wonder. If your wonder is small... If how you see the wonder of how God made you and how God made everything, if it's small, your life is going to be about that small. That's why you and I struggle with things that just are little. And some of us are struggling with big stuff. You're like, Pastor, you don't even... But if you would see your life the way that God sees it, and if you would see God the way that God is, yeah. not the way that you are, it would start putting your life into perspective. And then I would wager that by the end of our little two-part wonder series, I would wager that God was starting to fix things in your life without you even having to understand it. You're like, well, that makes no sense to me. Yes, yes, that's the point of it all. Wonder. Um, thank you for everybody who volunteered at Canada Day and the parade that we 
we were in. I mean, there was like tens of thousands of people out there. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That was so amazing. Um, it's funny, when, when um, uh, Chad was there, Chad English was there with his uh, sidecar. He's got this World War II Indiana Jones-looking motorbike. And he brought this, and it's sitting out in the parking lot. We're decorating our float, and I'm like, that needs to be, and I need to be, in, in the sidecar. And he takes me for a drive around the parking lot. And he comes around the corner, and he flips the thing up and does like a wheelie with me up in the air, praying to Jesus. And he does this wheelie around the corner. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And we would be riding this thing behind our, our, our float, and we were riding uh, in this here, and Chad was like doing wheelies constantly. You, you'd see him come around the corner, and then he'd flip it up on the side. And then like thousands of people would gasp. Like, <gasps> little boys would be like, Grown men would be like, oh, I can afford one of those. It was funny. You could hear the gasping as it went along. But there were pockets of the crowd I noticed. I'm preaching about wonder. I don't know if they'd already seen something like that before, but they were just like. I can do that. I have YouTube. A wonderless existence. I wonder if you've lost the wonder of it all. See, what we do is we come in um, as children, and everything to a child is kind of new. I had a, in a, uh, an incredible sense of wonder. Somebody asked my mom, one of my mom's friends asked her, how long does it take you to walk uptown and back with Corey when I was little? And mom's like, oh, hours. And she says, Beth, you live in a town of 500 people. Downtown is not far. <laughs> and there's, not, there's like two stores. <laughs> it's like two blocks and there's two stores. And she said, you don't understand whether when Corey's with me, it's like, it's this, can I brag about myself a little bit in, in the wonder here? This is just how I live my life. It, it's like, there goes a dog. We'll see where it goes. Oh my goodness, that's incredible. And it's like, oh, butterfly, let's see where it goes. And it's, it's this sense of wonder that I have, like, why? Why is that like that? Why? I took the staff out the other day because I can. I'm just like, let's go out. We have some part-time staff here. They're incredible. I'm like, let's go out. I don't want to do a meeting in an office because I hate my office right now. Let's go outside. And I was, and they were talking about important stuff. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Shut up, everybody. And I didn't say that. I'm just like, look at those leaves in the tree. How is it that they... And, and then uh, my big thing that, that they told me to preach this sermon series on Wonder. They're like, you need to preach about that because that was incredible. I'm like, what was incredible? I was like totally distracted the whole time. They're, they're like, remember what you said about crushing pine needles and how it smells? I'm like, oh, my goodness, right? Yeah. Who decided that a pine tree when you crush the needle should smell like that? And why does this tree smell different than that tree? This one smells like pine candy. And this one is just, I don't even know words to describe it because... It's so cool and so awesome, and I just, it's an experience. I walk out with Erin, and I'm like, I have to crush pine needles. I'm like, you have to smell this, and she's always afraid that I'm going to try to feed them to her, which I normally do, and I did the other day, but I'm just like, you smell it, smell it. I won't do anything I won't do that I've tried it. Like, okay, fine. Not a two, not a nine. It's okay. You'll, you'll, you'll find out. It's this wonder of life. Are you somebody that when something wonderful happens to you, you you're gasping, you can't believe it? you just like, oh my goodness. See, you're getting to know, you're on your way to knowing a God who is incredible and wonderful and can do anything. And you come in with this human, jaded, adulting sort of deal. 
I remember a friend of mine was riding his bike by and I had a broom handle in my hand and I was looking at the tire and I'm just like, I wonder. <laughs> and I put it in the back tire and like, and I'm like, I wonder. I looked at the front tire. He's riding around. I'm like, I wonder. I feel like I missed the big opportunity here. <laughs> Next time he's around, I stick it in the front tire. He gets off the ground. He's super mad. I still remember this day. I still remember the look on his face. He's like, what were you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I didn't think about it until right now, until you're all like hurt and all full of blood and stuff. I'm like, I just thought it would be spe spectacular, and it was. For, I, just, I just, I couldn't help but wonder what would happen if we used to shoot arrows straight up in the air. Boom. And then we sit there. I'm like, I dare you to stay here. I dare you. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to sit here. You ever try seeing an arrow that's coming straight down at you from like 100 feet up? You can see that much of it, but you can't see it because nobody's ever actually seen an arrow coming straight. And we would sit there and dare each other to be like, okay, okay. Then we'd be looking at each other. <laughs> and then last minute, we'd like dart under a tree and not, you know. None of us ever went to the hospital with an arrow stuck in the top of our head. I mean, just... I just wonder, I just, the, the sense of wonder, we were out walking and praying this morning, and I see a, a rabbit, but it's not like a, a big rabbit, it's kind of like a teenage rabbit, I'm like, that rabbit is Peter Rabbit, Aaron, that rabbit is Peter Rabbit, it's incredible, the, the wonder that you live in, the, sometimes we don't appreciate the people that we live around, because we've lost the wonder and the sense of wonder about them. Next week, I'm going to be preaching about the four stages of relationship, how you regain the wonder that you started with, but after the pain. It's how your relationship with God could mature, but after the failure, but after, and you regain the wonder, like my sins could be forgiven and I could be part of a family and I, and you, and then you come and I'm just going to preach it next week. You're just going to have to come back, but the, the wonder of it all, the, the wonder. I was shaving this morning, and I said out loud, and I wasn't thinking about this. I'm like, I wonder how many times in my lifetime I've shaved. I was like a man's man when I was a kid. I had like a full beard when I was six. And I, I didn't, I just... How much wonder do you live in? But then, then we got uh, some of all y'all, and you're, you're watching a movie, but instead of watching the movie... Pastor Aaron. Instead of watching the movie, Pastor Aaron, and just waiting for the ending, in the first five minutes, you got it figured out. The butler did it. The butler? Who's the butler? The butler. Five minutes. Why, why would you tell me that the butler did it? Well, it's obvious. I'm like, not if you're me. I've watched some movies 10 times, and I still have no idea how they end. I can tell you one second in, like, I've seen this before. And I get to the end, and I'm like, oh, my. Did you know? She's like, yes, I obviously knew. We've seen this before. And I would have figured it out. Like, oh, my goodness. How did, and they, and oh, my goodness, that's incredible. See, what, what's happened to you, though, at work or What's happened to you in relationship? What's happened to you with your finances? Or what's happened to you even with your journey with God and, and church and, and how all of this... Uh, what's happened to you is that there's been days when there's been bad surprises. So as a child, if you live in a great home, you can grow up with a sense of wonder until something uh, weird happens or there's abuse or there's not enough food in the fridge or, or 
the, the, your, your parents get a higher tax bill than they were ex- expecting. Then they start fighting and then or your parents get a divorce. And, and something happens and there's a bad surprise that happens to you that starts to kill that wonder. It's funny, as I grew up, I, I had this sense of wonder when I was a kid. And then I feel like there was kind of a scene missing in my teenage years. And then I started having kids and returned to this sense of, of wonder. And you know, my quality of life got better. My optimism, my positivity, my faith, my love, my belief that anything could change. And God could, in a sentence, change my life forever and change your life forever. We just enter this jaded period here, and this happens. We, we have this bad surprise. And so what we start doing is we start trying to predict or create predictable experiences to, to be safe. So predictable experiences to be safe. But, I mean, you were born in sin. Uh, that wasn't even your fault, but then you partook in it. That was your fault. And it says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So connection with God is broken. But you come in, and you're trying to live this safe like life in here, and then you come in, and then you... And then you meet God who could change everything in a moment, but then you go back to adulting. So, so you, you're trying to figure out the end of the movie, and you're trying to put God in this box that makes sense to you and that feels good to you because it's safe. But if you take God and make him safe, you take the miracles out of the picture too. There's, there's no uh, parting of the Red Sea if Pharaoh's not chasing you. There's no uh, five loaves and two fish feeding tens of thousands of people without the people being hungry, without there not being enough. There's no need for God to raise a man who's not crippled, but the crippled and your, your crippled condition is part of the miracle. When you come in and you're so broken in your marriage... It would take a God of miracles to fix it. It would take a God of miracles to maybe prepare you for the next relationship, even after you've made all the mistakes. But because of the bad surprises, we try to, we try to, we come and we meet God, but then we try to manage expectations. That's what happens. We, you're afraid that you'll feel happy again because you remember how bad that surprise took you. It just shocked you. And you remember put, and then you put up walls to make sure that. But what you you can't do is you can't. I'm Brene Brown, can I preach a little Brene Brown? You can't. I feel like that was mostly female voices out there. I have read Brene Brown extensively. Now what you do is you try to selectively numb the pain and the joy. So you try to take the bad surprises out. But when you take the bad surprises out, isn't it funny that this is what happens? I. I, I don't like bad surprises, so I try to tightly grip my life. I try to think everything through all of the time, and I try to keep the bad surprises out. Well, that's part of that's just adulting and being smart and not being an idiot and shooting arrows straight up in the air. You've got to learn at some point without getting an arrow stuck in your head. But, but that aside, you start doing that with everything, and then you come into this relationship with God, and you're like, but he might surprise me with something bad, or something bad might happen that he can't handle. And we try to like build up a wall and we try to build a little trail that we can go through so that there's no surprises and nothing surprises us. But when you build the wall here, you build it around the miracle too. And you build it and you keep the miracle out. Uh, you build a wall around the bad surprise and you build it around the good surprise and you can't do it with just one. This is not different than Israel in the Old Testament. You see that they would always get into this cycle of problems. 
So they would serve God. God would do a miracle. They would bring him into the wilderness, and all the people start complaining. And then they get into the land of Canaan, and then Joshua's generation was good, but then it said just every gen- other generation seemed to go back, and they started uh, serving a mix of gods. They would forsake God, but not, they weren't thinking that they were forsaking God at the time because this is how it would happen, and this is how it happens with you. So it's like, okay, you came into church, you grew up in church, or you didn't grow up in church, you meet Jesus, and then it's like, but you still have to manage expectations. There's a part of life in Christ that is disciplined and, and full of suffering. There is that, definitely. But there's supposed to be a wide-open journey of faith where you're not afraid, where you go through fear and you come out the other side, though. You're just not living in fear of everything all the time because the God with you is greater than he who is in the world, than, than the one with you. The chariots in the hills around you are greater than the enemy coming against you. But what happens is you build a wall around yourself and you build a wall around your heart. And, and uh, they would say back in the day, so it would, they would say, okay, serve God, but if you want your crops to grow, serve this guy named Baal and sacrifice to him too. Not just Yahweh, not just Jehovah, but also Baal. If you want pleasure, there's, well, there's the goddess of fertility. There's the sex and religion gods. It's always, guys, it's always about sex and money. Mix them. So, like, go to church and kind of serve God and even go to small group. And you should go to small group. That's where my people are. And you serve God, yeah, yeah, yeah. But on the weekend, you know, you got to have some fun. You can do that, but also do this. When God's like, fun, I created it. Pleasure, I created it. You know, the highest, I mean, if you got kids in here, they should be in venue kids, just cover their ears. The highest sexual satisfaction is with church going people. Hallelujah. Science is my friend. It's... The God who created it, but what we've done is we've, we've mixed it now. It's like, well, okay, God, but I don't, I, okay, I can give of my resources to you, but I better take care of myself too. Well, be smart about it, but leave a room for a miracle. If faith and sacrifice gives way to a miracle, it tears the wall down around you. When God's like, sacrificially give, just give it away to that family that doesn't have anything this Christmas. Just give it all away. And you're like, but I got to save some from, and God's like, I got you. I've got a miracle, and I can't release the miracle until you tear the wall down around your security and around your safety. And I've got all these good surprises, but you're locked up because you're afraid of the bad surprises. And we get into this place of wonder. You know what really chokes wonder is it's, we've been doing it forever. It's just this thing that humans do, familiarity with God. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God's like, hey, you can have literally everything here, but just don't touch that one tree. It's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then uh, the first thing that the devil says is like, did God really say? You be careful when, did God really say? Yeah, he did, actually. He did. He didn't change his mind. Did God really say the pornography? Yeah, no, he really did. If you look after him, okay, I'll just preach to somebody else. I'll go to the church down the street. Don't make, no, 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 listen, listen. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What he did was he, he held out to the human race something that we've always been struggling with ever since then, which brought all the bad surprises. He said, you could actually know what God knows. And if you know what God knows, then there'd be no more bad surprises, right? You could actually be like God. You could actually be God. You could, but God's like, morality is mine. I decide. Your design, I decided. 
If you want to live a healthy, happy life, and happy people are healthy people, then live according to the principles of God, there's happiness. But the devil's like, but there's also this other happiness, and it's called experiencing evil. That's what he is like. No, but you need to experience. It's not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's experiencing it for yourself to see if it's really that bad. And he's saying, you have the capacity, Eve, to do this. But she didn't, and you don't. It's funny, though, the whole lie about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He's saying, you have God's capacity to know good and evil. No, you don't. You can't know everything there is to know about evil. I can't anyways. Maybe you're like the Godhead three in one, and I'm not. I can't know everything there is to know about evil without experiencing it in some regard for myself. But God can. It says God has never been tempted by evil. Is he aware of what's going on in the world? He is. And it leads us into this other question, like, well, why did bad things happen to good people? Well, we're the ones who broke the world. God gave it to us, and we gave it to the devil. And what did you think was going to happen? God sent his only son to redeem the situation, but he can only redeem what we give back. It was this thing called free choice and free will. And when he gives a gift, he doesn't take it back. You can serve the devil, you can serve God. Like anything that God can redeem will get healthy and happy and bright. And in the end, we get heaven anyways. But then there's this other thing here that we're still dealing with a broken world. But it says in the word of God that God did not deal with us remotely as if he didn't care. He came down, suffered everything that you suffered, was tempted in, in every way like you are, yet without sin. And that's where it comes to, yet without sin. There's something about God that is not something about us. There's this, this chasm between us. There's this thing in between us. And what we try to do is we try to understand everything there is to understand about God. At first you come in and you're just blown away and that's enough. Like he could forgive my sins. I don't have to understand how it works. Just give it to me. And God's like, good. Keep that sense of wonder. Then we start trying to understand it. And then the longer you've been in church, the more you think that you bring to it. The longer you've been with God, the more you think you bring. The longer you've been married, the more you think you bring to it. Until it becomes this thing where you're quite entitled. The Pharisees, you know, they used to preach that the Pharisees back in Jesus' day that they couldn't even sin anymore. And Jesus comes on the scene and he's like, what? Like, you're not even capable of sinning anymore? You're that awesome? You're that much like my father in heaven? He's like, you're nothing like him. You don't love the sinner. You don't love the prostitute. You're not trying to help anybody anymore. You're just helping yourselves now. You miss something of the, the wonder of God. And Jesus comes on the scene with this wide open, obedient, sacrificial wonder and everything changes. Because you and I, we have this deep, Need, since the Garden of Eden when we fell, we have this deep need for God to um, see us as his peers. That's the lie that we fell for. You could be like God if you tried this fruit. You could do it. You could understand. You could know what he knows. You could be like him. It wasn't enough to be made in the image of God. In the likeness of God, we had to be like him as well. It wasn't enough to just let him be God. We wanted to be God as well. It says he made us just a little lower than the angels, but that wasn't enough for you and I. It's not enough today. No, I really want God, my heavenly father, to admire me and to treat me like I'm wonderful. I want him to think of me, and when I pray, I want to hear back, you're wonderful. I'm amazed at what you can do. Corey, I'm a, your singing voice is amazing. 
you come in and then you make the mistake because you have to grow up and be an adult in the rest of the world, but you and I, we make the mistake of trying to be an adult with God. Why, why settle for being an adult with God when you could be a kid? The Lord is my shepherd. I have, I have no wants. I, I got everything I need. I, there's just no, the wants. I don't care about the wants. He just gives me everything that I need because my heavenly father is a good father. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring at work, but I have him. I don't know if she's going to leave, but he would still be enough. I don't know if my teenage son or daughter is going to love me, but he still would, and it would be okay. I would make it. I would be okay. In the end, I would get heaven. But even in the now, I would be okay. We come in as children and then we grow up and we start thinking that we're adults and we forget the wonder of it all. My daughters, because I'm a decent father, my daughters don't have to be around me and be worried about everything. It's kind of cute. But when they bring something to me, they bring like a drawing when they're four. And I'm like, oh, that's a dinosaur is amazing. And they're like, it's a rock. I'm like, it's a rock that looks like a dinosaur to me. It's beautiful. But it's not Van Gogh. You know what I mean? Well, tell me that it's the most amazing thing you've ever seen. It is. Sort of. It is because I love you. Because I think you're amazing and I think you're special. But your singing voice, well, I, I don't need your singing voice. We enter a relationship, the first relationship that you may have ever entered with, with God, where he doesn't need you. He just wants you that much. And it scares us. Because now we think we actually have to measure up and we actually think that we have to bring something to his table. When we never will be able to. He just wants us at the table. And all the striving to try to cook something that's amazing and try to make turkey dinner when he's already got it. He's just like, hey, why don't you just cut these carrots up for me? We're like, no, I'm going to make the whole meal. And we bring it, and it's a failure. And he's like, that's amazing. Let's eat. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> he gives it over to you know, Gabriel. Like, you eat this. You got to do what I tell you to do. And Gabriel's like, I'm leaving heaven if you do. He's like, eat it. It's terrible. But you're at the table because he loves you. That's it. That's the only reason. Because he loves you, and he can. He's not infected by your sin. He can save you from it. He's not discouraged when you are. He's strong. In my weakness, he is strong because he is God and I am not. There's this wonder of nature when you look out and see the mountains and he just carved them and it says the mountains are his footstool. He just needed something to put his feet on. And you're like, oh my goodness. I climbed a mountain and God's like, what? And they're like, good, great. I love it. I put it there for your enjoyment. But then he's like, I put you here for mine. When we start realizing that we don't bring anything to the table, but we're still at the table, there should be a sense of wonder and shock and awe. And it should just be like, we come to church and we're just like with the other believers and we're just like, can you believe that we're even here? We tricked him. We get to be in the family of God. And I know you're not bringing anything to this table. And I'm not. And we're still here at the table. We're still here in the same family. David, uh, a lot of his psalms were kind of like prayer or worship. or He would write songs and give them to the Levites to sing. And, and 
at different stages of David's life, he would go through these huge places. He's just super honest with God, which is a good thing to be. But it's funny that he normally ends up with praise. You come in here bearing a burden or your marriage is in trouble or just something's not working in your life and you come in here, you're bearing a burden and you really came here because you want something from God, but God really wanted something from you first and it's called worship. And we're like, God, worship me and my problems and let's talk about them all day and God's like, if you would worship me, I would deal with your problems because they're not that big a deal. I would make you okay in the middle of them. I could do that. And what happens is David, at different stages of his life, he always seems to return to worship. He's like, God, these people are trying to kill me. They're betraying me, and they're all, but you, God, are majestic. But you, God, made the heavens and the earth. He always returned to this place where God was greater than his problem. And, and here is a psalm that it's, it's probable that this, song was, this psalm was written, Psalm uh, 139, that this psalm was written when David finally ascends the throne of Israel, meaning he finally got some of his dreams to come true after decades of struggle with Saul and decades of learning hard lessons in war. And he finally is ascending the throne of Israel. I wonder if you got everything that you were asking God for right now. I wonder if you got everything, if this would be your response. Because I know what I'm like, and if I get everything from God, then I want somebody to write a song about me. (laughs) He's wonderful. He's an amazing... Pastor, he's kind of good looking, but that's creepy because he's my pastor. (laughs) Should we cut that or not? I think that that was, no, let's keep that. If you you got the promotion at work, then you'd be like, Honey, write a song about me because I did it. And God's like, you didn't do it. There was 15 people more qualified and you still got it because I love you and you're stupid. Then you go to your boss and you try to tell your boss what's what and your boss is like, oh my goodness, there was 15 people more qualified. I just felt like you needed to get this for some reason and I don't know. And what we, but David, watch his response in this psalm. He says, he says, oh Lord, you have examined my heart. What? What's it? This wouldn't be what you would write about. He's not even writing about the kingship. He's not even writing about his dreams. He's like, oh Lord, you've examined my heart and know everything about me. Watch this turn. This is worship. This is personal worship. When it's just you and Jesus, and this is how it sounds. You know when I sit down or when I stand up. This is so basic. Are you, are you feeling it? David, in the sight of God, was so mighty in Israel, because he still thought of himself as the child out looking after sheep. He never thought of himself as a king. He never thought of himself as a father or a husband or somebody who was responsible or had a. Th- when he was with God, he was still a kid. It says, You know, when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. And you and I are like, God, I'm trying to figure out your thoughts from far away. And he's like, My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Quit it. David's like, no, you know my thoughts when I'm far away. Like, even when I'm over here and I should be here, you know my thoughts. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home, you know everything I do. And we're like, everything? And David's like, everything. I just want to be known. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. Most of you don't even know what you're going to say in the middle of an argument until you say it. Your spouse knows what's coming He's like, you know what I say? You're so much smarter than I am, God. 
It's like when you're with your dad and he can just do everything and you can't do anything and you're just like, oh my goodness, you're amazing. You know how much inward thinking a healthy child in a healthy home does? Not much. Everything is awesome when dad is here. Everything is fun and awesome and all my problems are taken care of and there's food and we got it. It's okay. You go before me and follow me. What? We're trying to go before God and trying to get ahead of the plans of God. God's like, wait, don't date. <laughs> Come on, preach it, Pastor Corey. Yeah, preach it. You got teenagers in the house. He's like, wait, don't date. And we're like, I'm going to go before God and I'm just going to see if this is the thing. God's like, it's going to be a thing, all right. He goes, you go before me and you follow me. At the same time, David's like, I don't know how you do this thing, but you do it. You, you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too great for me to understand. He says, I can never escape from your spirit. I've tried. I can't. I can't never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, he says, and I can't, <laughs> you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. Wherever I go, you are. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, if I run like Jonah ran, even there, your hand will guide me. And your strength will support me. Your strength will support me. I could ask the, the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. I, I could ask it to hide because so many of us hide. He said, but even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. He's at this place as a child and just wide open where he's like, I don't even care if my sins come out in the open. I just can't hide from you and I just don't want to. It's just not worth it anymore. It says to you, the, the, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate, listen, you made all, you're wondering if you're a mistake. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. You did this thing. The circumstances of my birth didn't tell me that I was loved, but I was still loved because you did that. It's not a cosmic accident. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. If you feel complicated this morning. <laughs> you made me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was form being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. He saw the pain. He saw what was coming. He, he wanted to go through it with you. Then he says this, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. Not my thoughts about you. How precious are your thoughts about me? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Did you wake up feeling like God was with you today? Because you could. Let me go to verse, where, where am I going next, guys? Verse 23. He says this, search me. O God, I know my heart. Test me. Test me, God. Not me testing you, God. Right. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. Not the other way around. God, I didn't get what I wanted from you and my friend died of cancer. No, no. Don't point out things in God that offend you. God didn't give them. God didn't cause that. God didn't have anything to do with sin or all of sin's death and disease and nothing. He's just trying to redeem a piece at a time. 
But point out anything in me, he says, that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Lead me along the path of everlasting life. Adulting. Some of you, you've experienced so much in this life that you don't think that God could return you to a childlike state. But he could. I've been down on a battle too. But he did. And adulting is great when I'm with you. But when I'm with God, adulting is a bit of a waste of my time. This carefree wonder. This, this walking out and your head is down and your back is, is bent and it's burdened with your life and sin and mistakes and pain and it's just not working out for you. And, and you walk outside and I would just say this this week and, and today, just take a walk and look up. Get some rain in your face and look up. There's so much more that you can't see because you're trying to bear the burden of this by yourself and Jesus would come alongside of you and be like, I got it. I can do the heavy lifting. That was, that's what I do. My cross is enough. It's what I do. Let me help you with yours. It's okay. I, th- I think adults, if, if we have one sin, maybe more than the others, it's that we think about ourselves a lot. You tell yourself that you don't, but you do. It'd be like me taking Aaron out on a date and saying, who are you thinking about right now? She's like, I'm thinking about you. And then me saying, I'm thinking about me too. We're like that with God. We're like, God, who are you thinking about? He's like, I'm thinking about you. We're like, I am too. And here's what I want. And we open our mouths first thing in the morning and we don't outweigh the asking with the wonder. And then we wonder why we don't get what we ask for. Because we're asking according to our desires, but when we wonder, God already knows what you need and then he'll show you why don't you ask for this instead of that? I would rather have that. He's like, it would be bad for you. Why don't you ask for this? This is just about you. This is about everybody. This is just about you. This is about me and your brothers and sisters. This is better for you. Eat your veggies. I want cake. Eat your veggies. And when you walk out and you change your whole outlook to be this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. There's not a thing in there about me other than God help. <laughs> but when we, when we take this sense of wonder and we let God change us back into a childlike state, all the burden of our life comes off. Life will still be hard, but now you'll be doing it with somebody who can. Because that's the whole point, you can. Let me pray for you, Heavenly Father. I pray that you would take this independent, self-righteous, self-satisfied living, this, this type of life where we think that we can do everything on our own, that is a very small life, God, but through you we can, we can run against a troop. By our God, we can take down walls. By our God, we can fight against the enemy of our souls. By our God and in the power of the Most High, we can live lives that matter in health and happiness. And I pray, Heavenly Father, for every person here that you would change their hearts and that they would see you as our Father in Heaven who's got it. I pray that you would open our eyes to the wonder of it all. Amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.